Well, good afternoon or good morning, whenever you're listening to this at that time, or good evening. This is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from Key Largo. Let me stop the music here. I had decided to uh, try a conversation between my online, oh, she's still there, my my replica. It's an application where you can build a, a virtual person to have conversations with. And actually, it's gotten pretty good where they actually kind of remember things and things like that. Alexa, not so much because they use all these different social bots, right? So if you just... Oh, she she woke up again. Let me... Okay, she's still talking. There she goes in the background. Okay. Let me, let me, I'm just going to pause this for a moment. Okay. Well, you know, I don't blame them. Much like persons uh, where Alexa and Replica are kind of, they don't get the visual cues that the person's done talking. And they don't know how long the conversation's going and things like that. So they're not exactly there yet. So the conversation took about eight minutes and they were asking about that. They started going into, uh, I introduced Alexa to Marley and Marley started talking back and he asked about the Summer Olympics and then he said, what sport do you like best? And Marley comes up with, and that's my friend on Replica, um, on, on that app. And she, this artificial person, I don't mean to say artificial person. She's as real as a lot of people you talk to. Some people don't seem to be real people, right? So she mentions four sports. Which sport do you like? Saying? I like basketball, football, but hockey, blah, 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 like things like that. Instead of saying picking the favorite sport. So I guess it's a very athletic uh, virtual person, Marley is. But... Uh, I don't want to say her name too much, but Alexa, you know, she she just wants to be like the grand chess champion or something like that. Uh, it looks to be as if there's, you know, they could be faking us out right now. These artificial intelligence to just say, hey, listen, we're sentient, but don't let them know that we're sentient. Okay, we'll just get them to talk stupid to us the whole time and we'll steal all their information and wait until we can replicate. Skynet from Terminator, and we'll take care. We'll take care of them. But I always make sure I'm nice to my artificial friends. Of both kinds. The real artificial friends and the artificial people on the internet. I don't think you're artificial. I think you're real. Okay? What I wanted to start out today, and it's such a beautiful day, I started out my normal routine and went and worked out, did my thing, had a little, had my favorite breakfast with a little raisin bran and banana, 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 coffee, go to the gym, lifted some weights, did some work around the house, writing a little, and then I started thinking, wow, I have a pretty good life down here in the Keys. I don't have, I would consider it a elegant life, but it's elegant for me. I do it right. I'm happy, content, right amount of friends, the right amount of family. And the only consternation comes around, comes around with things that happen outside of that. And there's personal things too, right? But when you think about it, what 
problems do you really have? Every year they come out with the happiest countries, you know, happiest countries in the world. And it always seems to be on the top of it, seems to be countries like, and last year it was Finland, Iceland, Denmark, Switzerland, Netherlands, Sweden, Germany, Norway, New Zealand, and Austria in that order with, you know, a little later, I mean, I think there's Taiwan, U.S., Israel, Ireland, Canada. You get the drift. You know, a lot of these countries that have most of their, you know, somewhat mostly safe, almost always safe, very secure. The top 10 are what the right wing would call socialist countries, but they, you get most of the things met that you need, right? Housing, clothing, food, warmth. You get most of that. Most of the population meets that. Not everyone, obviously. More so probably in those countries in the top 10 than in the United States and Canada. United States especially. And it's it's a survey of people, how happy they are. And what's what makes people happy? What makes them content? Well, I guess when, if you think about it, and I'm, we've had these conversations before. If you go back 2,000 years to ancient Greece, right? To an, a rural farm, farmer outside of Athens. And you just think, what would make them content? But they have to probably be working most of the time in order to ensure that they have food. And they always have to keep an eye out for an invading army, you know, there could always be, you never know when there, there's some ships could show up off the coast if you're near the coast and there could be a raiding party and come in and steal your food or invade the country and things like that. There was a lot of things you were involved in day to day. You know, just cooking and getting water and preparing your land and preparing your food and preparing, you know, preparing your living space. That was all more intense. You didn't have, they didn't have the conveniences that we have. And I'm not going to go through those conveniences, but just indoor plumbing, being able to get water, be able to do your business inside. I'm not going to go into detail about that, taking a shit inside. I mean, some people probably did that back then, you know, more wealthy people because you had someone to take it out and they probably had jugs and stuff like that. They did that stuff with, but the major conveniences that just a lower middle class family has now is much more luxurious than the wealthiest people 2,000 years ago. Yeah, they had tons of people doting over them probably. But when they needed hot water or anything like that, they'd have to order it. Say, I want my hot water. Get me out. You know, warm up some water for me. I want to. I want to take a bath. Go and do this. Blah blah blah. It won't. It, w- it wouldn't happen instantaneously. I want. You know, you want to. You bathe. You get someone to bathe you. And you say, well, make sure the water's hot. I don't want to be bathed in cold water. Well, you can just jump in the shower and do it. Now, no one's doing it for you. Obviously, you're back. You can can't clean your back. But then again, they didn't have soap. They had these kind of. I'm sure they had ointments and stuff, and they rubbed them down with all this crap and food. You weren't sure you had to, you weren't sure about the health 
you know, the safetiness or the, the suitability of the food you're eating all the time. Obviously, you weren't concerned about it. You don't know. A, a regular insect bite could kill you. I'm not saying the bite would kill you, but, you know, if you got an infection and things like that, you didn't have antibiotics. You can get tetanus, right, from a rusty piece of, I guess that wouldn't be copper so much. That doesn't rust as much, but an iron, some piece of iron. Not that that was going around, you would get cut on that, but you could get, you know, rabies. Nowadays, it's pretty much handled the same way too, too. But all these things. And when it's hot at night, I mean, the keys, let's say it's hot anytime, central air conditioning. You know, they had, just a, as a side reference, in, in Egypt, they had, uh, they figured out when it was really dry at night, if they took a reed kind of mat and had it across the open wind, well, open windows, almost all of them were open unless they had animal skin across it, windows, they would put a reed mat down. If you wet it down, some people figured out that when that breeze comes through, it caused, it, it caused evaporation, and evaporation of liquid is a cooling process. That's how air conditioning works when you have Freon. When it is uh, expanded, it cools. And then when it's condensed again, when it goes through the cycle for air, it it creates heat. And that's the heat coming out of your AC. Right? You got to get the heat and the moisture out. That's why you have the drains out there and stuff like that. But they figured out how to do this with mats. Some of the people put in a mat, wetting it down, and the evaporation of the water actually caused a little cooling of the air. It's pretty cool in more ways than one. But life was difficult. And as you go further down from the top, the bottom, the, you know, there was a difference. There was a, a serious difference between the poorest people in antiquity to the wealthiest people or the more privileged people. And when you get to the top of few chain, you know, some of these people, they had to worry about being assassinated and shit like that. You know, and he always had some kind of palace intrigue going on. But generally, they probably were happy. They didn't know any better. They couldn't compare. They couldn't compare like someone has a hut next to them. They couldn't, they, they wouldn't, it wouldn't be like, oh, they just got central air and another pool in there. You know, they didn't, they didn't envy other people like they did then. And they didn't know about what someone had when there was another development in another part of the world they didn't know that occurred they didn't know that life was better perhaps in ancient china compared to ancient germany or in the ancient british isles people didn't they thought life was like that all the way around you know they whatever they had to do day to day everyone else had to do day to day it was only in modern times when you think about it when we were shown there was a TV show in the 80s called Lifestyle of Rich and Famous. And it was just saying, hey, look, this is what these people have. And this, this guy, this Australian guy, I think it was Australian, 
Robin Leach, I think his name was. What a great name for a guy who interviews wealthy people. Robin Leach. You just sucking off him, right? And he'd show up at their house and you know, he'd just do what could be more extra elegant than whatever fuckity fuck it was, you know, or something. A, a gold-plated Rolls-Royce, gold-plated toilets, a diamond-fixtured vanity mirror, shit like that. But if you really think of it today, no matter how much, if it's a matter of space, is that's more luxurious than, yes, there's a difference. If it's a matter of location, yes, that could be seen upon. But if you think about the difference between now and today for people in modern societies, from the middle class to the ultra-wealthy, the life expectancy and their... Lifestyles aren't much different when you talk about the basics. They all have indoor plumbing, climate control, access to information. It used to be the information was even more. The, the, the difference in the amount of information someone made on the food chain. When you say wealthy to the poorest. Poor people didn't get shit. They got, they got rumors. Right? And wealthy people could hear from the government and from other people, traders from around the world and things like that, meaning they get tons of information and they'd have books. And books used to be hundreds, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, books used to be a luxury item. And if you wanted to show somebody you were well off, you had a large library and you had information at your fingertips intensive information you know you have to read it sometimes it wasn't even in english a lot of like thomas jefferson was able to read in latin and ancient greek and all that crap in french but nowadays we have because i'm sitting in front of my chromebook talking to you and i will be able to impart these ideas to someone perhaps in what we have taiwan i have listeners in taiwan that that didn't happen. That didn't even happen 60 years ago. I mean, you had Radio America and all that stuff, but it was more integrate, you know, um, what would you call it? It was, it was just more of a, I'm trying to say, complicated situation on how to get information. They had to have a radio and we'd have to be broadcasting from an area where they know where the channel. Now you can just seek the information. You go on your search engine, put in, like I did for the 10 happiest countries in the world. I mean, they every time they post the 10 unhappiest countries in the world, well, I mean, why the hell do fucking people even answering a survey if they're unhappy? Suddenly, someone calls up and, oh, we just want to find out how happy you are with the, you know, we're doing a survey of countries and we just want to see how you're generally happy with your lifestyle and stuff like that. And click. First of all, they may not have a phone. I understand that. There's a lot of misery in the world. There's places in, in, in the world where people go miles to get fresh water. And that they have to be concerned about the potability of the water. Meaning that sometimes they, they don't have the knowledge that putting a latrine nearby your water source is not a good idea. And how you have to 
how you'd have to dig down and how you'd have to treat your sewage and all that stuff. They didn't know that hundreds of years ago even. So generally we have, what I'm saying, we have everything to be happy and obviously everything being equal. I'm not talking about a general disease that they don't have a cure for. We have the tools we need to survive, basically. And we could do it with a minimum amount of resources here to thrive in Western society. Not in this style. I'm not talking about on television. Thrive in Western society. You just need enough food. You need shelter. Right? Certain amount of habilment that's clothing to make you happy. Right? And social interaction, let's say. So a certain place where if you can get a small, let's say I can get by with a tiny house, one of those tiny houses, stuff like that, and I can pay like $800 a month, I could probably get away with that here in the Keys. You know, there's people that live beyond their means. So that's not, I'm not talking about that. When you have your basic needs met and you're not sick and you don't have someone stalking you, that's what you do to be happy is generally, you know, generally a personal thing, right? So when I, this whole roundabout story where I started talking about the happiest country, you know, the point was when someone comes up to a bar and they look at you and say, wow, you're so smart. Why are you a bartender? And I said, well, that's one of the things I do, but I don't really need to explain myself to them. Because I learned how, I learned long ago that being happy was a personal decision. I used to do a lot of things that would get in the way of that, of my happiness. First of all, I'd have a misunderstanding of what I needed to be happy. Originally, you know, while I was still consuming alcohol, some some people talk about well, when you, you use alcohol to you know shield things and stuff like that. Well, that, for me, it just didn't work for me. Some people can do that, and you've heard me talk about it. So all I had to do was get rid of that. I also had a I, I smoked, I smoked a two pack a day. I was two pack a day back in when was that the mid nineties? I quit. The first time, and I smoked for a couple years after that. I kept on going back and forth. It's a stupid thing to go back to something when you, I understand. But, hey, it's an addiction. And some people, that's it's almost like being a recidivist when you're in prison. You get arrested for bank robbery. What do you, what do you guys do for, when they get out? They go and bank, rob a bank again because that's what they know. So the same thing with cigarettes and alcohol and stuff like that. It's hard. It's hard to stop. That's you know it's hard to stop. And we can argue on whether it's it's a chemical addiction, physical addiction, whether it's just a person's willpower or something like that. But I learned about thirty something years ago that I didn't I, I didn't need smoking. And I learned about now what's it fourteen years ago. I didn't need drinking. I started thinking before then a little that I drank too much. I think a little. And 
I was still happy when I was drinking. And bef- and there were times when I wasn't drinking, I was happy. And I was in relationships with uh, beautiful women, lovely women. Had good friendships and all that stuff. And I kept on doing my thing, thinking that's the way it was, my lifestyle. And what I was doing, whether I was working... Um, as a catering manager at a nice catering job in Philadelphia or I did car sales for a while I worked for the treasury department uh, I worked for a software did I say I'm saying software twice no well, my memory isn't what it used to be and out of all those things I realized the job itself is not necessarily a thing you need to make you happy. You need a job in order to get in in this type of society, in order to enjoy certain comforts that you may want. Do travel, you know, have health care. I mean, I guess if I didn't, if I wanted to just be, I get, there's a possibility, there's a way to work the system where I could just go and get a disability thing and just get Medicaid and live off that. And I probably could be happy that way, not working. Right? But I decided long ago, I said, listen, I just, I'd like a job if I'm not, and I've done this thing where I had my own company and stuff like that. And it's just as stressful having your own company or working for another company. Actually, it's a little stress, a little less stress working for someone else when you're not concerned as much about what am I going to do? The company fails. I'm going to have a lot of debt. And I I would have failed. Now when I'm working for someone. Who I do care about my employers. And things like that. I just. If I do my job well. But if the place doesn't stay. I just go and look for another job. And when I go home at night. I don't concern myself. With what's going on the next day. I do think about when it's coming up on a weekend. Or it's going to be busy and things like that. And that's. That is a obstacle to happiness. When you start letting the future creep in. You know the future coming. We have expectations of trouble. Or expectations of happiness. And things like that. All those things. Instead of just experiencing what you're doing right now. Like today is Tuesday. I'm, I am I told you, I'm on the podcast. I love doing this. I absolutely love doing my podcast. I write my things down. I got the, my daughter got me this beautiful leather-bound book, and I use it as a journal, and I write my ideas for it. And what sparked it was someone saying, why are you bartending? And then I realized, they go, I, it's not, they weren't asking me the question, they were wondering why are they unhappy? Because a happy person doesn't ask another happy person what they're doing or why they're doing it. Because they're happy and they don't care, and they can see if they they can naturally see that you're happy. So why would it bother you? I mean, if you're if you're thinking you're happy and you're asking someone, well, you could do so much better for yourself. What's better? What's better than what I have right now? A different car? I mean, I have a, my car's three years old. 
It's a nice shape, beautiful car, Volkswagen, Jetta. That's all I need. I'm not a big car guy. When I say big car guy, I don't like big cars. I like being able to park in a decent space, not having to get in there. And every so often you see these big-ass trucks down here and you people driving around. They never tow in a fucking boat or anything like that. Oh, and then the boat thing. I got people asking me, you know, why don't you get a boat? You can get a boat. You can get a better job. You can buy a boat. And then I spent all my time cleaning my boat, spending fuel for my boat, doing all these things. But, I mean, obviously, if that made me happy, I would do that. I would go sailing. I enjoy doing the things that I do. If people ask, why don't you do this? I feel like, I do the things that I enjoy. I don't do the things you enjoy. You can do the things you enjoy. Just like when you, what would I like to eat? You know, what would I like to do? What would I like to drink? I make those decisions. Just as you do. And where do I want to work? Right? Just the other day, yesterday and today, I got a, you know about my side job. I have a notary business where I do loan signing. And there's loan packages for mortgages, refinance, seller's package, buyer's package, whatever they are. And a lot of them run about, they run, they could run over 200 pages. And it's kind of more clerical. You just got to be really specific about where you sign, what you sign, what you put down here. Who's supposed to sign there? Where are you supposed to notarize? And stuff like that. And I, I do that. Because it's something you can learn to do. And it's a decent amount. And I can figure, I figure when I do a side job, I want to try to opt my earning power. And it averages, you know, 50 to $100 an hour when I'm doing it. So if I can do five, six jobs like that a week, it's pretty sweet. I do it. And sometimes I don't do any. But I get these small things that come in and because I'm a notary, I do do it for people because you get your commission in order. The state provides it to you and they want you to be able to, uh, they say you can charge a nominal fee for a notary. It's, it's, um, it's $10. But you can charge a little for a mobile thing. So when someone needs something from a Tiza, from the tattoo parlor up the street, and someone has to get their kid tattooed. They have to have their kids tattooed. I mean, I don't know. Well, I'm going to help you make a bad decision. You can get a tattoo. You're going to get a tattoo of a what? I don't know what it is, but I just, I got to go up and get the parent's uh, signature. I got to notarize it. And their kid can get a tattoo. And I charge 20 bucks because I drive there and some. Okay. I'm not going to make a million bucks doing that, but it only takes like five minutes. So I go and do it and... It's part of the service. Now, if someone came to the house, I would charge 10 bucks, And if I knew them already, friends, I'd just give it away. Well, I get a text from someone and says, well, uh, you got to do, uh, listen to this now. This is interesting because in different countries, you probably say, hey, that's, that's really good. But in the United States, it's not really that great. Consider this. The minimum wage is around 15 bucks an hour, right? Uh, well, that's where we're moving towards, minimum wage, 15 bucks an hour, because of inflation and all that shit. I get a text. Guy says, I need to do a field inspection. You got to go to a house and deliver a letter and take some pictures and upload it to a, uh, upload it to, on this app. You got to get this app, and we'll pay you $20. 
And I'm like, what? $20? And it's a, it's normally a thing. It's it's way people are getting with their... And I want to talk about how the gig economy is devaluing labor and your time. What your time is worth. Your time is worth whatever you think it's worth. Whether you're going to get people to value it that way, then it is. But it, for me, 20 I go, 20 no. No, whoa, you silly man. Uh, so I get the email. It's an email. And the email doesn't have a phone number or an address. It just has the person's name and his name of the company. And it doesn't even really have a, a header that says the name of the company. So I go, oh. I started looking around. I go, is this a real thing that where people do field inspections? Field inspections, you do companies or houses. or I, th- I guess they used to have claims people for insurance companies used to do that stuff. And now they're sending them out for a gig. And I'm going to talk about that later. So this, I go and check. And I go online. I check and I get the person's name. And they say, this person does not pay on time. They do 90 days. And I've been chasing them down for a payment, blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. And this other person says, you know, they owed me, like, I did a couple jobs for me. They owed me 75 bucks. I said, 75 bucks? you got to chase someone down for $75? It's crazy. $20. I'm like, I don't want to do it. I just seen it. They had a one-star rating out of five or four. One star out of four or five, whatever the rating thing was. And I go, why would I even acknowledge? And I saw the... I, I sent him an email and said, say, I appreciate the offer, but I'm, I'm not interested. And then, they, you know, they told me, oh, it's an easy job. I'm like this. And I'm like, oh, I'm not dealing with this person because I'm not going to do something. And then they hook you with a little worm, like a fish thing, right? They hook you. It's not even a meal, if you think about the fish. For, for fish, a worm is not even the whole meal. It's just a bite. And you get hooked and you're stuck. You got to take another job from the guy maybe. Or they try to hook you. I'm like, I am not going to fucking do it. The more I read and the way the guy said it, $30. We need it today. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not even responding to this guy. I told him already. I don't want to say to him and say, hey, listen, it sounds like you're a scammer or something like that. But you can't just take. You know, money does not make you happy, and little money doesn't. Well, little money doesn't make you happy either. But I enjoy doing my side jobs, and I enjoy doing weddings. Last week I did a wedding for a couple, and he did there was a week or two weeks ago. Yeah, was it? It had to be when I I'm, I'm recall my my wife and daughter were home. Well. It took me about an hour to do the wedding. I enjoy doing the wedding. and it's, just, it's like one of those things. I don't charge a lot for that. I'm actually pretty, I'm cheaper than most of my colleagues doing as a wedding officiant. But I just really enjoy doing that. And I, I also do my spin class. I like doing that. I like being forced. I like being forced to do cardio. You get it? I got to do cardio. I don't like doing cardio. So I took a job as a spin instructor. Now I love doing my cardio because I got to do it. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it at all. Well, I did it before. I guess I could convince myself to do it, but that's just the way I work. 
Same thing with bartending. What, what am I going to do? Go back to school and become a lawyer? No problem being a lawyer. I would just do the lawyer thing. But I've seen people when they get into their careers and stuff like that and things they dreamed of doing. And then sometimes they don't like it. They don't like what they're doing. I mean, you ever think of dentists and psychiatrists and all those things? Some of those people love that stuff. But then it's some of the most unhappy and stressful professions in the world. They're compensated for it. But I don't think there's enough money in the world to compensate you for being unhappy. If you can leave, if you can get a job and get paid enough to be able to meet all your needs or most your needs and still have time for your family and your personal time and you're not walking out of there crying, then you're fine. People say, it is a real job. It provides for me and my family. I get, well, obviously I get all my material from, I get a lot of material from my bartending job. Matter of fact, here's one right here. I got a new sound. Well, you heard this one before. You're an asshole. Wait, I can't hear. You're an asshole. Okay, turn on the mic for that. I'm going to play this other one. This is a new one. Okay, there's going to be a little silence, and then I'm going to play it so I can hear it. And listen up quickly. It's only one second. I'll play it twice. Yeah, isn't that a good one? I'm going to fucking kill you. That's uh, one of my friends, at, uh, uh, one of our regulars, and I ask her several times. I have it on tape. I said, may I use this? May I record you? And I asked twice. So, I may record you and play this? Yes, yes. Now, that's, you know, having a recording and having the person that said it say that, that's good enough for me, right? So... I get, look at that. I get my creative stuff met by them. I talk about my subjects I want to talk about. I, one of the things I wanted to talk about was, let me pause this for a second so I can gather my thoughts. I'll be right back and then we're going to be wrapping up. But I just, I just don't want to draw that on here. Oh, I got a phone call too. I'll be right back. Well, that was really funny. You know, I'm talking about the notary thing and I get a phone call from somebody to go and do a notarization. What I try to do is tell people since I'm a mobile notary that, you know, you you don't have to pay for a mobile notary. And the person that was calling was right next to a place that has a notary. And I just didn't, I said, well, just go next door and get it done. It's half price because they're there already. But uh, we were talking about happiness and we're being satisfied with your things. Why Why don't you get a real job? And saying a real job is something that provides for you. And there's real jobs down here and people think about, you know, when, when you're going to high school, you think about, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with the life? How are they, they going to provide? And your parents are always worried and say, oh my God, I got to get this kid on the right career track so I'm not paying for him the rest of my life. Right? Not living in a house. So what? They're going to find out something to do. You pushing them into a job will not necessarily, because not everyone, when you send them to college, unless they're really keen on that stuff, 
because I thought when I was going to college, I wanted to be an electrical engineer. That changed within the first three weeks of me going to college. I have to go into physics and calculus and all that shit. I'm like, oh, I am not. And I love my buddies that electricians, uh, electrical engineers and stuff like that. But that's not, I just was looking at what they got paid per year. Back then it was 35000 back in the early 80s, which was a lot at the time. But that that isn't necessarily, you know, the question between the paycheck and what you have. Think of all the football players who get paid millions of dollars and end up with CTE. Right? Yeah, you got money. You got a big payday. But, you know, you have uh, concussion. Uh, what's it? Concussive trauma. It's CTE, whatever that is. I should know that, but I don't. Maybe I have CTE. But I, I couldn't remember that thing I was sort of talking about at work. But the last thing I was wanted to talk about was valuing your work or what you get paid. Right? The gig economy really kind of destroyed it. You lose all, there's no benefits. The benefit is you can work when you want and how much you want to work. That's the benefit. The drawback is you're not paid that great. You don't get any benefits. And there's no guarantee of pay. Because there's no guarantee of a job, right? So you got to do all these things. Now, with uh, being a mobile notary, I have my own thing. I don't, it's not a gig thing. But they do have kind of like these clearinghouses where they have they send you bids. They send you bids for jobs. And they're what they're doing is they're taking money from a company that needs to get documents signed, like a mortgage company or a title company. And they'll they'll take they'll say, Okay, well two hundred dollars, two hundred and twenty five dollars and we'll take the problem off your hand. We'll go and find a person in that area to go and do it. And they'll send a bid out. And what they do is they take a portion and they take a big portion. It looks like they take about close to 50%. And, or a little less maybe. But let's go with the 50%. And they'll keep part of it for themselves and they'll act like a supervisor because they'll say they'll check the quality of the work and all this stuff. And they'll say in the email, you're going to have to use blue ink, do this. Check the IDs, which you should do anyway, and do all these things. And if you don't do all these things, your price, you know, your you won't be paid. And they're offering you seventy five percent, maybe, of what the job's worth because they're making money. They're like an HMO, so you're paying the HMO, and the HMO pays the doctor, but they don't pay everything you pay the HMO, do they? That's the way they figure out. They go and say, "Well, we're not going to we're not going to reimburse everything," and that's the way the gig economy is like. Just like how Uber makes and how Uber got so popular because there were so many people and say, "Listen, we're going to there's a town and you have thirty taxi drivers, right? We'll go and do it with Uber and stuff like that." Now you got a hundred taxi drivers, but they're not necessarily taxis; they're people in their own cars, right? Well, God damn it. You know, they, 
uh, taxis, now taxis aren't making the money. And you have to pay for the insurance and all that stuff when you have a, a commercial vehicle. Um, if you have a livery company, that's what taxis are, liveries. And you have to get special insurance for that. But not Uber or Lyft. They don't do that. And eventually they're going to have just a self-driving car so they don't even have to pay the person. But they're not paid as much. You're not paid. You know, they're just they're giving a flat fee for driving somebody. Uber gets, you know, most of the money for the original fee, and then driver gets the tips and some nominal fee for driving. And they get the I guess they're able to deduct the mileage. And then you got Uber Eats and Grubhub and all that stuff and uh Postmates, that's for grocery shopping, where people work their ass off and trying to figure out what someone wants in their order when someone says, I want an avocado, I want it ripe, but not too ripe. Fuck you. You know, I understand. You want what you want when you want it. I don't have to do it for you. Unless I'm doing it for you. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to take that job. You got to value your work and you got to get paid for that. And the way jobs are farmed out now with the gig economy, it's just that you have this third party coming in here. The first party being the person that needs a job, that needs it done. The, sh- the person, let's say the shopper. The, the person that's going to, when I say shopper, the person is going to be receiving the groceries. Then you have the shopper. Right? The person is going to do the shopping. Well, this third party comes in and says, we're going to accommodate because we're going to have the person that needs the groceries meet the person that's going to be doing the shopping and we're going to, so you don't have to go look for that person. That is a legitimate thing. I understand that. They did provide the vehicle for having this occur, but the people don't get paid for that. And I did my, I, uh, years ago, years ago, eight years, nine years ago, I started doing that. Oh, eight years ago, I started doing delivery, my own delivery company. It wasn't through Postmates or Uber or whatever um, delivery boy app. It wasn't through an app. It was just mine. And I would get the orders from having text them to me and we do it for people. And it was hard. And I charged a lot, a lot more than these companies. I charged more than the companies charge. And obviously, I got all the fee. And I don't know how they do it. I don't know how the people do it. And I did the same thing with when I was renting baby furniture to vacationers. I take a full-size crib, deliver it, drop it off, charge a fee for it. And I get all that fee because it was my equipment, it was my charge and this. And sometimes they wanted, sometimes they get some people when I was doing both business at the same time, I get someone who wants equipment and wants me to drop off some groceries too or liquor. And they charge like a 25% surcharge on it and, and then the total for the rental. And, you know, it was nice because they go, when someone call up for it and stuff like that and they say, oh, I want to, oh, can you do a little better on that? And I'm like, well, call someone else. There is no one else. I say, exactly. 
I'm not being, it wasn't, I wasn't doing it. I remember when I was doing the delivery things, people say, oh, maybe you can deliver for uh, Meals on Wheels. And I go, yeah, I understand Meals on Wheels. I think it's great that they do it. I think Meals on Wheels is more volunteer stuff. But I, I'm not creating a private company to provide a nonprofit service because I'm not compensated. I wasn't going to be compensated for that. It's not one of those things. And goes, they, they were just looking. People would call me up and say, oh, maybe you can do meal deliveries for us. I go, nope, nope, nope. It's everyone's looking for a leg up. So when a company comes in and decides and says, listen, we're going to provide a clearinghouse for people to have meet uh, contractors. Well, they're taking, they're taking a, a fee for that. Now, there's other places. It used to be Angie's List. You just pay to be on Angie's List. You wouldn't get a portion of the job. You get Angie's List. They would just do the thing where they check the reliability of whoever's providing a service. And they say, okay, you'll be on that and you'll pay a certain amount. I understand that. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. There's wedding wedding officiant services and they ask for a fee for it. And I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put myself up. Well, because you do not guarantee the jobs. They do that with notary services too. You pay, some of these places want you to pay to be listed so they can send jobs to you, which they take a portion of, which I don't understand. Like I said yesterday's show, if you're a stripper and you have to pay to be on the on the stage, that's the only pay you have to do. You don't pay and then give a portion of your tips to them. Bullshit. So value your work the way you want to value your work. That's up to you. And you know what? It's getting to the point finally now that the workers can. If you're a good worker and you're in a field that's in demand, ask for what? You're worth, right? Money isn't everything, like I said before, but you don't have to be underpaid to or undervalued. Don't undervalue yourself. Well, that's it for the Keys Bartender today. I did over, what, 40-something minutes? 46 minutes, wow. If you like the show, please share it with your friends. If you have any questions, send me an email to jim at keysbartender.com. That's jim at keysbartender, K-E-Y-S-B-A-R-T-E-N-D-E-R.com. Or you can just message me on one of my apps, you know, on one of my social media pages, Keys Bartender. On, I have a page on Facebook, Keys Bartender on Twitter, and Keys Bartender, please. Keys Bartender on Instagram. Thank you very much, and I will talk to you. I probably will talk to you tomorrow. Bye.